Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Doom Witch on Dirt. I'm your host, Evan McCrory. This is episode 11, and we just got back from March Madness last night. The whole weekend was a great event. I was there all day yesterday from like 9.30 until... Well, 8, 8.30ish. It was, it was a good long day. Got to see a lot of people. Got to introduce myself to a lot of people. People come up to me. It was, it was an awesome day. Uh, really, really made me feel good just being in that environment. And it was packed and you could feel the electricity. Just how imp- that event felt very important. Which, that's the most packed and most electricity I've felt from Cherokee in a long time. It, it did help it was the highest paying Southern All-Stars March Madness, 20000 to win. And today's guest was the winner of that 20000 from Mount Holly, North Carolina. I have Chris Fergie Ferguson's going to be joining me on the line tonight. Uh, just talk, go over his emotions from last night's big victory, uh, his switch to Longhorn, and uh, just see how he's doing. See uh, how he's feeling going this year with a new car. Still going to get some, still going to have some bumps in the road, probably with the new with the new Longhorn. But yeah, excited to talk to him, and we're going to start this episode with an interview, talking to him for for a little bit, and then I'm going to be going through a full recap, and then let you guys know what's going to be going on this weekend of March 10th through 11th. Now, on to Chris Ferguson. The guest I have on today is the driver of the Longhorn-powered Clemens Engine 22 from Mount Holly, North Carolina. He is the winner of the 2022 Show Me 100 Bristol Dirt Nationals in 2022, the 2020 Diamond Nationals, and he's won all over the place with Lucas, World of Outlaws, XR, Southern All-Stars, Clash, Southern Nationals, and just anywhere else you can name it. Chris Ferguson, how you doing? I'm doing good, but I'm doing really good. So, uh, yesterday was a big day over at March Madness. You took home that twenty thousand to win check in twentieth uh, annual March Madness. How does that feel? Man, it's awesome. It's just a blessing. Uh, been a long time coming. You know, last year lead, leading it and having flat tires and and just bad luck over the years at that race. Uh, just feel like a homecoming, getting a big win in front of my my hometown crowd. Even though I I grew up, you know, forty five fifty minutes up the mm-hmm. road, I grew up at at Cherokee Speedway. So uh, fans there and and family and and just the entire atmosphere. It was it was a big win and uh, very very thankful to have uh, so many people in victory lane with us. Yeah, just the energy yesterday was just crazy. There were so many people there. It was just so much happening. It really felt like a big event. For sure. I uh, talked to Tony A there up in the tower after the race, and uh, he told me that that was a record crowd for the pits and probably the biggest crowd since 2017 or something like that in the grandstand. Probably. I was definitely thinking that. I knew it had to be the biggest Cherokee event probably since before COVID. Maybe one of those outlaw shows uh, a year or two ago overdid it, but I was thinking that's probably the biggest show in the last three, four years. It was just uh, super cool to get a a win in front of you know, it, it was just and a lot of them I think had seen me go through a lot of hard breaks at that track and I think they were just I don't know, the, even the people that maybe don't pull for us uh, definitely may have been uh, cheering for us when we come across the line first. Yeah, I definitely think so. That that was definitely a huge crowd just down on the track there, Victory Lane, when you got out and everything. Everybody in crowd up against the fence. It was just a really cool feeling last night. 
Uh, so how how'd the whole day go for you yesterday? From unloading the new car with the new colors, uh, showing that off to everybody, to qualifying your heats, and how the main event went. That was really just kind of a storybook day. You know, we we got the test of the car last uh, couple. You know, a couple days before the race was really happy with it for the most part but going into a a big race you know even with a familiar track with a brand new car you never know what you're going to get so uh we practiced i think we were like second quick pretty close to where we wanted to be um and then qualifying i think i qualified third in my group but i was only like a half a tenth off the pole so mm. we were really close um and then uh, basically whenever we, we started out in the heat race, we made some adjustments after qualifying and we weren't really happy with the adjustments we made after the heat race. Michael pulled me, uh, Michael Brown pulled us about a straight away there in, in yeah. 10 laps and we knew we had some work to do. So we did our typical adjustments that we've learned over the years for the feature and, uh, really, you know, took off from the start, just kind of held her on there in fifth and, and, and got into conserve mode really early because I realized there was no passing. So I mm-hmm. uh, let them top three or four get away from us. If you go back and watch the video, you can see, um, you know, the top three or four pull us a really a pretty good bit. Like I would say at one point maybe, but I just I knew in my mind no one was going to pass me. So uh, just ride as much as I can, save as much tire as I can, and and then uh, all hell broke, broke all played into my lap for a change. So um, just really happy with the car, the way it all, all came about. I think I had a really good car in the feature, and I really never showed the full potential because even when I got to the lead, I was still taking taking care of the tires. But if I I felt like if I really wanted to push on some really good laps at the end, if I really tried. I, I was standing there on the exit of two at the end when you were when you were out front, and I could just hear how easy you're feathering it off the corner and just not even laying the laying the throttle down the whole way, just trying to save those tires and not be another guy to pop them like everybody else was. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of those things when you get a day race at Cherokee, you know that the tires are going to come into play just like a hundred lapper, and at the end of the day, it's. Even though I conserved a long time, I still wanted to be uh, make sure that once I got to the lead that I didn't lose it. And I could see my spotter guy who was giving me a lead, and, and I knew when to back off and when I could really back off. And, you know, it's just a whole nother, um strategy when it comes to, to racing. You know, a lot of places you're just worried about being the fastest car and passing the most cars. But when you go to Cherokee during a day race, it's a whole different animal. You just got to – Mm-hmm. play your cards right and be there at the end yeah how'd it feel with carson finishing behind you in second it was a special moment man you know i've i've watched him grow up and, and i always knew he was going to be a special driver and and from the time he was riding a uh power wheels car uh at the at the uh fifth mile at charlotte in the trial mm-hmm uh, watching them race bandoleros and, and legend cars and dirt and go-karts and I always knew he was going to be a little will man and and, uh, and I always knew he was also going to probably fight some of the same adversity I did 
you know, having the budget to really race. And, and he was very fortunate to get, you know, Donald Bradsher and uh, Wesley Page and among other sponsors and stuff that really picked him up. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're family, you know, we're, we're tight, we're a tight group. And, um, you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, we're all, we, there's some camaraderie there, competitive <laughs> nature with me, him, my little brother. Uh, and it's whether it's golf or basketball or, uh, you know, racing, we've always been super competitive and, uh, and truthfully, but there's, there's no one else I'd rather see win or, or race for a win than Carson. And, and, um, I love him to death and, uh, I'm proud of him and, and I was, I was really happy to, uh, I was really happy to, to battle him, you know, in the last couple of restarts and, and, and I knew me and him were family, so I don't have to worry about nothing stupid happening. And it was just really cool to run one, two with him. Yeah, it was, it was really special to see you two. Like I was wanting to, wanting to race, you would always want to be around your family. And it, it's cool hearing you guys are just competitive and just everything <laughs> during all the holidays and stuff. So, oh, yeah. And uh, you knew he wasn't going to do anything stupid. But speaking of stupid, what, uh, what, what was your, Th- uh, your thought being right behind the whole Overton and Madden thing there about lap 36. Man, it was just, I don't know. It's one of the moments it was, it was hard for me to really tell exactly what happened because by the time Chris had the, I was already kind of turned under him. Um, mm-hmm. But I really think that in my opinion, even after watching the rate, watching the video of it, like it didn't look like, either one of them did anything intentional at first it just mm-hmm. it looked like chris may have had a flat and you're tight to each other all these restarts because it's, it's a, it was a rubbered up track and uh you know and they might have had a little contact but to me it didn't literally look like either one of them tried to do nothing bad and and they both both ended up you know with tore up race cars and and i don't know man it's just one of those situations where at the end of the day, sometimes you got to keep a cool head and mm-hmm. and uh, and then go back and watch the tape afterwards and realize it's just a, a bad racing dude. But um, I understand passion, the passion for the sport, and, and being in the moments. and And I've had my moments with Chris and with with Brandon, so it's it's easy. It's easy to happen, and it, especially when you feel like you have a shot at winning. And uh, you know, it's just it's going to happen. But at the end of the day, it's like. Ah, man, sometimes you like you just gotta sit back and 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 realize like I don't think any either one of them did anything intentional. It just mm-hmm. happened. Yeah, I, I feel like the whole thing was just a big misunderstanding. And, yeah, I was I was confused because I didn't get to see. I was on Exodus. I was on Exodus too, so I didn't even I didn't even see there was an incident. I thought it was just another caution for a pop tire, and then I just hear the crowd going crazy. Yeah, yeah, I did too. I uh, I heard on the receiver. Uh, uh, security to turn one. I was like, "Oh Lord, there's yeah, something I, going on." <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. So me and me and Jack Kofer just sprinted over to the pit exit uh, in on the front stretch on in the infield, and, like trying to figure out something. Then me and Jack started trying to run. We ran back across the track when y'all were red, and uh, then got over to over to the trailer right as he was pulling in, just pissed. And then we we heard as we were running that it was them two. So we we just got to a late bad timing, but. What can you do? It's part of it. Yep. 
So uh, how'd the relationship with Longhorn really start to build this year to being a new one of those this year? Uh, just, you know, we had a, we, I used to run Longhorn stuff back in the day. That's what I won my first two World of Outlaw races. And, um, you know, just kind of got away from them because of uh, uh, just other opportunities. And, and really, you know, I was with Rocket for a couple years and won my first Lucas race. And, uh, and then the opportunity to work with Scott come about in 2018. Scott and Cody Mallory at the time and um you know that deal happened and, and really Scott kind of took me to the next level as far as uh you know helping us out and, and teaching us a lot teaching my dad my brother everybody on the crew and, and really had to think really think about these big races and, and situations and tires and shocks and, and motors and this the way that you approach races and uh and and then you know this past year or two, Scott's kind of been dealing with a lot of stuff off track, and um, you know he isn't really building cars like he used to. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've we've had our cars since 2018, and and uh, we had one of our sponsors that basically wanted to see us in a Longhorn, and um, you know we made, made we actually sold one of our Team Zero cars to Brian Shirley who. Almost won at Volusia one night with it, which would have yeah. been sweet. He was we on still, fire. Yeah, yeah, he was he was really good. But we had our other, we still have our other one. But then, you know, our our sponsors, KK Truck, and they live right off of uh, Longhorns Exit. Yep. So, long story short, we just met up with them and and decided to try one out, and uh, we got this one put together before the zero car. So we gave it a go, and and here we are sitting in victory lane after the first race yeah that i don't think you can write a better start for that if you wanted to honestly oh 100 percent. it was uh you know like i tell everybody it's it wasn't like i dominated the race last year i, I dominated the race in, in my other car and and had a flat tire with two to go you know and and yeah. this one I, I just hung around there enough to to capitalize when someone else had flat tires so it's just one of those things. You take them any way you can get them. Yeah, and that's how you got to be. It, it, sometimes it just won't It won't end up the way you're imagining in the first place, but you're happy it ended up the way it did. <laughs> yeah, you, and you still, at the end of the day, you still had to put yourself in position yes. to take advantage of those moments. So we, we luckily did that yesterday. So I was uh, looking at your schedule for this year, and you have 47 confirmed races uh, after yesterday. And 54, uh, there's like seven there, a couple tentative, like Knoxville with Lucas and a couple of those. Uh, what went into kind of picking and choosing where you're going to run and which series? It's just kind of um, based off of money. And, and, and you know, I ran a really similar schedule last year. I ran 46 races or 45, something like that. But to me, these are the races that I, that I, that I run on our schedule are, the, are typically either – the biggest races of the year or the ones that make the most sense logistically for mm-hmm. what they pay to win. Um, so for me, you know, running all the crown jewels is a must. Yes. Uh, you know, at this point in my race career, I feel like I can go um, compete at those races and make them and, and have a shot of winning. Like I feel like I can at Eldora, I've had a shot for the last four years. Um, and, you know, the North-South, I've ran top five, you know, I sat on the pole and and, and I've, there's their track world championship I've led and 
And, uh, you know, I've, I've been at all these big races for a handful of years now. So I think you have to run those, but then in between you have to run some of the races that make sense, you know, it, what's around. Exactly. You got to do what, what makes sense and what kind of, uh, what pays good because there's a lot of races that might pay up, but then you look through the pay fit through the payout and it, it doesn't really pay that great. Like, you're not winning it's not it, worth it exactly and and then like a lot of these races i go to we look at what it pays for fifth or third or seventh you know and and that goes into our schedule and and fortunately for us um you know i know this sounds kind of terrible we're not racing to go make the race we're, we're racing to go try to win it so mm-hmm. you know i'm not worried about running a series and getting a provisional even though that is nice because you never know what's going to happen um to me, I want to. If I'm running competitive enough, I feel like I feel like I can, uh, you know, show up anywhere I go, and and have a shot at winning. So that's a, uh, you know, that's just a little chip on our shoulder that we have, and and you know, it does make a difference when you put your schedule together and you feel like you can go to these races mm-hmm. and make them and, and try to win them. Yeah, there was uh, one race on the schedule I noticed you were at last year, and I actually talked to you last year at it, but you probably didn't remember me from it. Uh, you were at the Firecracker 100 last year at Leonardville, and I didn't see it on your schedule for this year. Yeah, we're, we're I meant to put it on tentatively because we do enjoy going to that race. Um, I love Leonardville. I've I've actually I know this sounds terrible to say, but I've been I've made the show basically every year that I've attended it but I've never been super competitive and it's usually the week after the dream. Um, like a week or two. Yeah. Yeah. A week or two. So we've in last year, the tire rule was way different than Eldora and we had to buy all new tires. So we're Mm going to evaluate, you know, May and June. And if I run good, a hundred percent, if I run good at Eldora, there's a really good chance I'm still going to the firecracker. Um, but if I'm not running up to par, you know, or we're just kind of looking to to basically plan for other races or get prepared, then there's a chance we may miss it. So I uh, I meant to add it, honestly meant to add it to the website as a tentative race. I just haven't got around to it. Okay. Well, one of my buddies, Michael, he wanted me to ask you about that because he lives outside of Pittsburgh, like. 20 minutes from Winterville and I've been going up there with him for the firecracker the last three, four years. And Oh, there's a really good chance I'll be there this year too. So yeah, hopefully I'll see you up there. Yeah. I hope, I hope we're having a heck of a year and we go, you know, it's anytime somewhere pays good money like that, you got to be there. Yep, definitely. Uh, so what went into just doing the different colors this year with the blue? Well, honestly, (laughs) it all, it all basically started, with, and I'm not sure if you've seen it or not, but the hauler got painted blue. Yep, I, and, I like that wrap. And 100%, my dad was the was the guy who decided to paint the hauler blue. So, And it's like a blue-purplish. You can't really tell what the color is. And that was kind of the, the, the first step. Uh, and then, you know, we, we had a sponsor that had blue colors. And uh, – we just kind of decided to roll with it all together. And, and we wanted to do a little bit of a different thing because I've been black and, and neon red for a handful of years now. So, so we decided to do something a little different and uh, surprise everybody because I'm pretty sure no one had 
no one saw it coming and it and big a great job and big a always does he man he does a heck of a job so he i feels like he's doing like a quarter to half the field at this point yeah he does a really good job man he's uh you know and everybody's stuff looks different it don't look the same so that's kudos to him for that yeah, because I guess there could be. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to talk vaguely about somebody, but there could be somebody that does it that kind of is in the same realm, same like kind of templates they use for all the ones they do. Yeah, you definitely see that a lot because there's just so many people in the rap business, and I understand. I understand people run out of ideas, but you know that's one thing I think about Big A is you know usually his stuff. Everybody's has got his own special touch and. And I am a little biased because, you know, he is, we are related to each other, but mm-hmm. he always takes care of me. And that's why, you know, like I said, I've always had good looking stuff. Uh, before we wrap up here, I wanted to ask you, what's one track that you never got to race at that was gone before you started racing in a late model? Like one track you wish you could have made it to? Um, from the stories, there's, I'll, I'll kind of give you, I'll give you two tracks because um, uh, there's two places. Like one's one that like I don't really remember much of, but the history of it and where it's at. Um, uh, I always wanted to race at Metrolina Speedway. Yep. So Metrolina is literally where it was. It's tore down now. Dell Jr.'s got the sign for it in his uh in his little playground he's got. But um it was it's literally three or four miles up from where I live now. Um and my dad spent a ton of time there. I was there when I was a kid. I just don't really remember it. Mm-hmm. Um my dad raced there, my grandpa raced there, uh, a lot of my family raced there, but I uh I don't really remember much of it. I went and visited it maybe 10 years ago and you could still make out the shape of the track uh but it was overgrown but you can see the gr- the grandstands the front stretch and stuff like that you can see you know where the pits were but now it's all bulldozed down and then um another track that I always I do remember seeing when I was getting into dirt late model racing that's gone now which I'm not 100% sure it's gone, but I know they don't have the event there and they don't really race there anymore, and that's West Plains. Yep. Uh, West Plains is was a super slick um, where they had the Show Me 100. I remember watching it, watching Freddie Smith there, Wendell Wallace. Um, Ray Cook. Yeah, exactly, Ray Cook. All them guys that was that won that, and, and, and I remember seeing vi- videos of it, and I think it was Billy – uh or don and billy gibson they ran the track and and uh would have loved to, to went there that's one of the places that's gone now that that i uh i would have loved to race at. yeah I've, I've heard so many great things about west plains i believe it was on uh kyle armstrong's podcast that ray cook was on there about a month or two ago and they're talking uh, i think ray was talking about how he kind of tried to design tri-county a little bit to kind of be like west plains that's awesome. That's what it's all about, man. Yeah, well, uh, I think we're about good. Do you have anybody you want to thank? Any sponsors? Any people that help get you to the track every week? Yeah, I want to thank my girlfriend, Jenna. She does a lot for me. She's sitting here beside me and uh, very, very thankful for her. But I want to thank my 
mom and dad, my stepmom, my brother, Tadpole, all my crew guys. Um, they know who they are. There's a lot of them. So uh, thanks to all them guys, my sponsors, all my fans, all the people that come and bought shirts and merchandise at uh, a Cherokee Speedway. And thanks to the Cherokee Speedway staff for always putting on big money events. And, and uh, like I said, all my sponsors, man, if I, I wouldn't be able to do what I do without them. Well, Chris, it's been awesome talking to you. Uh, thanks a lot for coming on, doing it on dirt. And I will see you later this year back at the track. Perfect, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Have a good night, buddy. You too. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Chris Ferguson. He was an awesome dude to talk to. Great dude in dirt racing. And uh, I really thank him a lot for coming on. It uh, really means a lot. A uh, guy, a well-known guy, a fan favorite like him coming on here and a uh, smaller guy like me just really still getting started in the grand scheme of things compared to a lot of other guys that do this type of thing. I, I just appreciate it. So uh, besides that, we're going to get into just recapping the weekend of March Madness overall, uh, both days, Saturday, Sunday, and then also just a little bit about Carolina Speedway and my plans for this weekend. So day one of Carolina, we had the 602 late models were competing 20 laps and the winner was friend of the show john rogerio jr in his 44 getting the victory over rod tucker and jake jackson apparently rod tucker hasn't been in a lot of late model starts recently uh recently and he was in that 114 after that we have the southeastern limited late models picking up that feature when over 25 laps was blake craft getting the late race victory over jeremy Steele. We'd see what Jeremy Steele does later in the weekend, just a minute. Third round out that podium was Owen Osteen. In the Extreme 4 series, a name that kind of is familiar with other stuff I follow, Caden Presnell wins the main event for the Extreme 4 series from Pickens, South Carolina. If you recognize that last name, Presnell, his dad, is Newman Presnell, the 2022 SCDRA champion. And rounding out the podium with him was Josh Ayers and Jonathan Butler from where I went to elementary school, Ellenboro, North Carolina, go Tigers. In the pure stock division, 12 laps, Mickey Brock got the win over Ray Hudson and Nathan Pierce in his number eight car from Emmons, South Carolina. In the Young Gun V8 division, uh, smaller field. Uh, I heard that that was just a. Is not the fields are going to be much bigger going through the year. Just some other people had other scheduling uh, scheduling things came up, but in that event, it was Bradley Whitesides that came away in his N2 machine from Duncan, South Carolina. After that, from the town I actually grew up in, Bostick, Ronnie Pinson in the 33, and round out the field was Trenton Jameson, the 135 JR from Lawrence, South Carolina. In the street stock division, they did not run. That was a mess up on my race pass. But for Crown Vicks, I love the Crown Vicks. I'm going I'm to be telling you guys this every episode, every time I have to talk about Crown Vicks. I love them. It, it's a great division. I really hope it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and becomes a big division because they're pretty cheap to get put up, get ready to race, and they put on some good racing. In that race... That was Casey Tao from Gaffney, South Carolina, right down the road from Cherokee, winning it in his 714. Roundup was the 5.0 of Mark Chandler. 
and Tyler Bailey in the 28th from Rutherfordton, North Carolina. And that is it for day one of Cherokee uh, March Madness. Okay, day two. We had the Southern All-Star Super Late Models, 20K to win, 1,000 to start, MIDI, 604s, Street Stocks, Renegade Sportsman, and the Thunder Bombers. In the 604 Late Models, we had Jeremy Still avenging his loss from Saturday and getting the win over John Ruggiero Jr., who was caught up in a late wreck with Lil Sexy, Cody Overton, who ended up finishing 16th. And rounding out the podium with them was Jacob Brown, Leighton Sullivan, 4th, and the boy Dalton Jacobs, 5th, Blake Craft down to 6th. Let's go look at the Thunder Bomber division. Their winner was Bradley Weaver in the 2F, followed up by Rod Tucker and Madison Hoots in the 47 from Tryon, North Carolina. In the street stocks, we had Josh Langley from Lancaster, South Carolina, winning in his 7 car, followed by Blake Pryor in the 78, and by the fan favorite of South Carolina, Banjo Duke in the 70, finishing out that podium in the street stock division from Mideast. In Renegade Sportsman, the last other division besides the other All-Stars, the Southern All-Stars, Christian Patterson from Fort Mill, South Carolina, and his 52 dominated the whole day. And rounding off that podium was Timmy Smith in the 73 and Cade Langley in the 11K. And the main event of the evening, it was a 50-lap feature. On your pole was downtown Michael Brown, but... Early on, it was Mike Marler who easily led over to halfway before all the tire problems started happening. And everybody's seen the video online. You get to about, I think it was about lap 35, lap 36. We were just having restart after restop, restart. You get a lap in, pop tire, car pulled in. Restart, car pull in, pop tire. We had about four or five pop tires in a row, which that's a Cherokee thing. You'd hope not to see it in like a... 50 lap feature, but you, you see it more and more you go up in the laps, especially the 100 laps of the blue-gray. Everybody knows blue-gray. You're hanging out there for a couple hours for that main event. You just know it. But there was a restart. Like I said, I believe it was lap 36 37. Chris Madden was on the inside of row two and had a popped right front tire and up going up and collecting Brandon Overton. And then they both pulled off the track. Madden, for some reason, was very upset. I, I, uh, my vantage point turned to, I still hadn't seen every little thing. They were pulled beside each other, angry on the front stretch, and then they pull off into the pit area into turn one, where Logan Sparks ended up getting the video. Love Logan Sparks. I'm going to ta uh, talk to him pretty soon when I'm over at East Lincoln. But he got the video, and in the video, you see Chris Madden walk up to the car, and just start just yelling there, just pissed off, just mad. And then Brandon, he's taking off this helmet. He gets off and get, he's like, can you get out, like, get out of my face? Like, like, there's two bellies just bumping together, two bigger dudes just bumping together. Okay, Brandon is big sexy, but he's not that big. He's a regular-sized country boy. Man, he's a little older. I'm. That's all I'm going to say there. But look at this situation. Madden was the one with the problem that went up and messed up Overton's car and caused it. I don't understand why Madden was the one so angry at the at that point. I don't think Madden should have been getting in in his face. And Brandon, in my, in my honest thing, he was like, 
good to be pushing him away and get him away from me. Like, I don't even think Brandon understood why he was so mad. Of course, he was upset at the situation, but he's like, why is he in my face? I, I don't know. That's just the way I talk about it. I wasn't going to dare go up to either of those guys, especially Madden. Um, me, me and Jack, Jack over, we beelined it. Once we saw people starting to jet up over the cross, uh, exit turn two, the pit, uh, pit opening there on the outside, me and Jack booked it. We were, uh, we were standing by the water truck on the beginning of the back stretch, sprint to the front. Once we heard the crowd going crazy, we thought it was a fan fight cause we didn't even know what the caution was out for. And then we're like, oh, it's overtime Madden, overtime Madden. Like, we're like, oh, it, it, like our minds started blowing. So we just sprint all the way around and we end up getting there just too late we see overton pull in just mad and we're like and so me and jack had to sit on the front or sit on the pit entrance going into the infield on the exit of two for the rest of the race but at that point chris ferguson just had the race taken over just held on to it managed his tires and led them last 15 laps there was a big wreck i think it was about three or four to go Dalton Wilson ended up having an issue going into turn one and two. A flat tire broke, something happened to him, but Thug Nasty Logan Robertson didn't have anywhere to go and just plowed through him, just drove straight through him, barely even turned. And Dalton went up into the wall, got up on his side a little bit. Logan's sheet metal on his right side got all torn up, but he still finished the race, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he did. But uh, that, that was the last of the fireworks on the track. Chris Ferguson was able to coast at home, save his tires, and not have the heartbreak like he did last year. And he got the 20,000 victory like I discussed with him earlier. And Carson Ferguson. There's a Ferguson family podium besides Galeb, uh, Galeb K. Caleb Gay, huge run for him. He's new to the super late model. He ended up going 22nd to 3rd in his XJR. Good for him. Sorry, buddy, if I messed up your name. Uh, I'll send you a sticker. But <laughs> rounding off that top 10, you had Dylan Brown. He's a Gaffney regular. Everybody loves him. Ryan Gustin. Highside Tickler. Strickler. Thug Nasty. Logan Roberson. Trent Ivy. Talk to him. I need to repost that interview. Trent, uh, not Trent. Twitter messed me up with the Trent interview. Cutting it off early. I'm going to repost that on everything. The Fast 5 7, Zach Mitchell in ninth. And rounding out the top 10 was the East Bay legend, John Henderson. For Carolina Speedway, they had a open practice in a 150-lap enduro. I believe had 46 cars, 43 cars. Pretty good field for it, if I do say so myself, for an enduro. And the winner of that was Eugene Vaughn. He dominated the whole race. You see him run these races a lot. And I believe there was a rollover and flip on lap 94. Five-ish area. Uh, shout out to Doctor Race Chaser. He's a good follow on Twitter. If you're see, like to see a guy just go all over the place for races, uh, he goes to cheap shows when he wants to. Right now, because he just got done with a racecation in Florida for a month, he went to he was going to two, three races a day sometimes, depending on what was happening. But he's at 27 races this year. He's a good follow. Cool dude. I uh, still haven't met up with him yet. I, if I went to Carolina Saturday, I woulda. But speaking of Carolina, this weekend is the Blue Ridge Outlaw Opener. The Steve Heinz Memorial that is going to be at Carolina Speedway. It is going to be $3,500 a win. 
and it's going to be practice March 9th and 10th and 11th. On March 10th, it's going to be the qualifying and dash for the Blue Ridge Outlaws. Super Sportsman's going to have their qualifying and heats. Thunder Sportsman, Thunder Bomber, and Pro 4 are all going to have their heat races. And then it's going to be mains for the Hornets and the Crown Vicks for 400 and 250 to win, respectively. That's going to be $15 for the stands, $30 for the pits. Hot laps will be at $7.15. That's going to be a little bit of a later show. And then on Saturday, it'll be $500 win for the Hornets, $1,000 a win for the Pro 4s, 1000 for Thunder Bomber, 1000 Thunder Sportsman, 1500 for Super Sportsman. And to round off the main event of the evening will be the Blue Ridge Outlaws for $3,500. I will be in attendance on Saturday, bearing anything comes up and changes. There's also a chance I might end up going to the open practice earlier in the day at East Lincoln. So if you see me there, I will have stickers on me at all times. I still have a hat. Uh, I didn't really talk much about it to the people there saying, hey, you want a hat, you want a hat? But still have a hat if anybody wants it. For Saturday, stands will be $20, pits $35, hot laps will be at $5.30. That's going to be a decently late evening. If you're looking to go there, you can find more information on the Carolina Speedway website. And their address is 6355 Union Road, Gastonian, North Carolina. Also, if you're looking for more information on Carolina, basically the same thing as a Facebook page. Uh, add Mark Abernathy on Facebook. He's the announcer and scheduler. I am going to be talking to him this weekend. Hopefully, catch him. Uh, I'm, sending, I'm probably going to message him, but uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. We will also be having go-karts at Cherokee. That's going to be interesting. Uh, the Waddell is going to be running out, I'm pretty sure. And there's going to be all types of other racing in the Carolina, not Carolinas, but in the southeast region. There's going to be racing at North Georgia, 411 for the Tennessean. And we're just really getting to the kick of things, like... Like I said, uh, March Madness was really the start of it being weekly for me because we got Blue Ridge at, at Carolina this weekend, then we got Clash, then we got Carolina Sprint Tour. It's just, it's just getting and rolling. Uh, I'm just really excited for it. Happy to bring you guys along with me, and I just want to thank everybody for the support so much last week. It, it, it just meant a lot. Uh, the support at the track. Uh, People just saying they knew about me kind of was cool. It was like a little bit of work I've been putting in. This has been meaning something. That doesn't mean I'm going to stop here. Hell no. Like, <laughs> I'm just at the beginning. I, I've just started this stuff. And I've been I've been making my mistakes. And I've been learning my lessons. That's just a part of it. I, I, I'm rolling around. I've, I've been starting to roll around with the dudes that have been doing it forever. Of course I'm going to be making mistakes that they don't because they've been, they got all the hours I don't. So if you see me making mistakes... Let me do my thing. <laughs> that's, just, that's just a part of it. Uh, I'm just out here trying to promote the racing. I'm just trying to be out here, bring some light to the racing and, and to the people that are involved in it. Some of the series that don't get enough spotlight, enough media per se, post about them. That's why I'm not just going to be following the biggest series around. That's why I'm going to be following a small sprint car series that runs smaller cars that's not 410 or I'm going to be following a front wheel drive division or two of the smaller late models and that's why I'm doing that that like those series need that and I'm going to be switching up those series every year as you guys know um besides that I want to thank all of y'all for tuning in and if you're a new listener 
please go follow me on all social medias. Be a friend, tell a friend. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Doing on dirt. D U N E W I C H on dirt. I appreciate every single one of you. And if you see me this weekend or any other weekend, I will always have stickers on me. I want to run out of the smaller stickers I have right now before I get me some bigger ones. I'll have them ordered like as I'm running out, so it kind of just lines up good. And yeah, I hope you guys have a great week, and I will talk to you after Carolina Speedway, March 11th.